Comics. Movies. Music. Video games. Technology. Blu-ray. Television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. You're listening to the Jersey Shore Podcast. Welcome to Jersey Shore. I'm Jordan from Jersey. Joined this week not by Pierce, but by a brand new guest, my sister Courtney. Say hello, Courtney. Hi, everybody. Uh, I've wanted to have Courtney on for a while because I've had my other two sisters on, and now we finally have the hat trick. So, this week we're talking about what, Courtney? Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, we just got back from Courtney. This is the first time you saw it. Yes. We saw it in IMAX 3D. This is the third time I've seen it. <laughs> Pierce will be back probably next week to discuss the episode. Just there wasn't time to record this week, so uh, I'm doing it with Courtney first. But this will be fun. So I always like to have the the noob episodes, if you will, like Rebecca and Matthew or Grace or just people who don't know anything about the anything. comics. No, but just about the <laughs> comics. They don't know the details. They just they're going in and they're seeing a movie. Yeah, that's, I feel like, the majority of the people going to see it anyway, so... With Guardians of the Galaxy, definitely. Certainly more than, say, like, The Avengers or something like that. So, we talked a little bit in the car, but we tried to keep that to a minimum. But just, in general, what did you think of the movie? I loved it. I was not expecting to like it much at all from what I had heard from people who match my movie taste, but I actually really liked it. It was hysterical. It's a it's a really funny movie. And I also really liked it. Like I, I mean, I guess you could get gather that from me saying this is the third time I've seen it. Yeah. I've now seen it in 3D, 2D, and now IMAX 3D. So I've gotten the the whole trifecta. I've seen it every way you can see it, as far as I know. It was technically a fake IMAX. I haven't seen it in like giant yeah. real IMAX, but That's, still, I'm not driving an hour to New York to go see it like or that. Paying that much money, I think it's about the same price. Really? Yeah, but it's just. You'd have to drive away, so that's uh, sixty yeah. bucks for train tickets, or you know, yeah. gas and tolls and bridges and all that kind of stuff. And but New anyway. York, and New York. Yes. <laughs> um, so, aside from me showing you the trailers every time they came out and being like, <laughs> I, I believe it was about six months ago when the first trailer came out. I went, Courtney, see that raccoon right there? In six months, that's going to be your favorite character. And what did you tell me when we got in the car? <laughs> Rocket is my new favorite character. And I don't even, I don't remember that conversation whatsoever. Oh, we definitely had it. Because I had that conversation with several people. Whatever like, you say. Trust me, in six months, it's your favorite character. <laughs> Although and, a lot of people have really liked Groot more. But. That's true. I really liked Groot. I mean, it was, it was really interesting to see how they got so much from a character who said four words in the end. Five. But, five? Uh, I am well. It's, oh, it's full, full spoilers, by the way. Let's let's get that out. Oh, <laughs> there will be full spoilers. I am Groot, and we are Groot. I am, we are Groot. Five. Oh, right. Okay. Yes. Different. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> but yeah. Oh yeah. But I was really surprised that they were able to do that with such a small character. But and then in the end, he, I mean, turned out to be a heartbreaker. Yeah. With the whole dying thing, and then baby Groot was. Adorable. I mean, I as a comic reader know. You can regrow Groot pretty easily, but for anybody who doesn't, you right. know, it's going to be, it's right. definitely, and I, you still feel bad when, like, Rocket's sitting there crying, Yeah, you know. And I didn't, I didn't know if, when Rocket put the stick in the pot if Groot was going to grow back or if it was going to be baby Groot or whatever, and I was kind of expecting it to just be normal Groot, but. Well, um, he'll get there. <laughs> he just has to regrow. Gotcha. 
Be, just like with a tree, you can regrow a tree from, you know, just splicing it in as a yeah. little small part. I must say, though, he has significantly better dancing skills as a baby. <laughs> Whatever song really dance has. Well, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, I was just reading the other day, the writer-director of the movie, James Gunn, based uh, Groot off of his dog. Just the mannerisms. Okay, I was going to say. How Groot would behave, the big smile, <laughs> drinking from the fountain, that kind of stuff. But you see the dog in the movie. Is uh, it the beagle in the... No, that's not not a beagle. Actually, that that wasn't a beagle. It's not Cosmo, and we can get to Cosmo because that's a real character, and Cosmo's awesome. Really? Um, <laughs> yes. It's in the very in the second scene of the movie. Once we're to the modern day, when Peter is going through Morag, that planet where he finds the orb, and he uses his oh the ho- I saw projector. that dog with the little girl. A, yeah, that was the director's dog. Oh, okay. Is the girl his kid? Or I don't something? think he has any kids, right. but. Uh, Probably just some random girl or somebody related to somebody, but it was his dog. Okay. So that's what Groot was based on. Huh. That's really interesting. And it's, knowing that, like, I, I think I read that after I saw it the first time, seeing it the second and third time, you can definitely tell a lot of things. Like, that is a dog yeah. reaction. Yeah. Absolutely. Especially in the one part when, oh, after he'd, like, pierced through the, like, I don't know, 20 people. The cigar. And then, and then, you know, his, whacked them back and forth. His grin was hysterical. And that's a very dog song. Like, did I do good? Yeah. And that's, I love that scene because it's actually timed the exact same way as, you know, in Avengers when um, Loki is taunting the Hulk and the Hulk, he's like, I'm a god. And the Hulk goes, picks him up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Puny god. It is timed the same exact way. It's the oh, same joke. And I love it. Because it's it's the same, but it's it's different, you yeah. know, but it's the the joke formulation is exactly yeah. the same. Yeah. I feel and like one's one's completely innocent and one's a little more <laughs> You know, Hulk evil. is the ego, yeah. Yeah. There, there's not a bad bone or any bones in Groot's body. Yeah. Um, and just sticks, but mostly just sticks and leaves. Yeah. A few little sparkly <laughs> Yeah, his like glowing things. seeds or yeah. whatever they are. That was cool, though, especially in 3D, like, just how they're, like, yeah, floating around Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah. I like that. Um, but, yeah, I definitely liked both him and Rocket, and, I mean, Peter was hysterical, too. I can't remember. Do you watch Parks and Rec? I've seen a couple episodes with you, but that's yeah, about okay. it. I'm not um, the only one around here who watches Parks and Rec. I love well, that show. There, it's so good. There may be a reason for that, <laughs> but... <laughs> um, but, no, like, I could definitely tell a little bit of the... I don't know if it was the same humor from the Lego movie, but you could I could see the that it was the same. Because P- Chris Pratt voiced the, the lead character, Emmett, from the yeah. Lego movie. I, I could see a little bit of that coming out. But yeah, I mean, I liked all the characters. There wasn't really anybody other than the evil people that, you know, I was like, meh. Even, even then, so, except for the the one girl. Um, the, the villains definitely get short shrift. They don't get as much screen time or, or right. that kind of stuff. I like Ronan. He's fine. Uh, I know some people are upset that he's quote-unquote evil in the movie, but... Eh. Ronan throughout the years has been good, evil, everything in between. You know, he fights for what he believes the Kree is good, best for the Kree. Sometimes that's going to have him punching Captain America, and sometimes that's going to have him fighting by Thor's side with an army of accusers, as I was telling you about uh, in, in the car from Infinity, which was just awesome. But, uh, yeah, Nebula, and I, I love Karen Gillan, who's the actress who played um, Nebula. She was great as Amy Pond uh, in Doctor Who. But I, especially the third time, like, every time I've noticed it, like, almost everything in the movie gets better the more I see it. Her performance gets worse every time I see the movie. And it's just, I think it's she's trying to be commanding, and she can't pull it off. Like, the character has a really cool look when she gets just 
uh, pummeled and then like rebuilds her body. I thought it was weird. I, I thought it was awesome. I mean, it was definitely weird, but it was cool looking. Yeah, I was definitely not expecting that. But at all. the character didn't work for me. I'm, I'm hoping if they bring her back for Guardians Two, that they can do something interesting with her and maybe show that it was just her fronting and she's not. You know, it's <laughs> it's her putting on an act to try to please her father. Okay, maybe I can buy that, but I, in this movie, it was like, "What is this?" Is all the line readings from her, I just found were pretty awkward. Yeah, it didn't thrill me. But that was about the only character that I was just kind of like, "Nah." Everybody else, I thought. Was yeah, pretty- there's one or two line readings from Drax that I was like, uh, "I don't know that I buy it," but mostly, I, Drax was hilarious. Drax was uh, the destroyer. They got the big with the, the big green guy with the red like, right. scars all over him. Right, right, right. Scarification tattoos, whatever. They didn't really say his name that much. Um, they said it a few times, probably not as much as some of the other characters, yeah. but the guy who who takes everything literally. Yeah, that was hysterical. <laughs> and there was, there, there was a couple line readings from Zoe Saldana as Gamora that I was like, uh, I would have gone with a different take. But in general, again, I liked her. You yeah. know, there was, there was just minor things like I, that. I was having a little bit of a um, flashback with Avatar, thinking uh, with uh, Gamora, she kind of reminded me. Well, because that is her. It is the same one. Yeah, I thought so, but I wasn't sure. But it was like it was weird. I was like, I recognize her from somewhere, yeah, she, and she's it's apparently her goal now again. to be in every single sci-fi <laughs> franchise with that Star Trek That's and, and, true. And, and this now. Um, so she, she's now been three colors in three movies. <laughs> just doesn't. Like what will she be next? <laughs> but no, I, I like her in general. There's just like one or two line readings from her that I was like, that was not the choice I would have gone for. But yeah. then again, I'm not an actor, so yeah, I'm I'm glad that they didn't go with a real romance route or anything with her and Peter. That I They kept, they kept like, hitting at it hitting and then, at it, and then undercutting it with jokes. And, yeah. You know. I feel like that was a better route to go because I was like, eh, this, eh, no. What did you think of her in general, though? Um, I liked her. She's not my type of character, per se. Uh, but, I mean, for for that type of character, I think she did well. Um, just not... I don't know. Some people have complained that her fight scenes aren't awesome enough. Because Gamora is known in the comics as the most dangerous woman in the galaxy. Oh, really? I don't know. I, I, I buy the fight scenes. I think they're pretty cool. She doesn't have a lot of them, but I didn't feel like in any of them she felt underpowered. No. Like, no, she doesn't kill Peter, but then again, she wasn't trying to. You know, different things like that. And when she's, like, attacking the guards and stuff in the prison, mm-hmm. she takes them down pretty formidably. Um, she got some really cool jumps. Was the one where she like jumps straight up in the air and then comes down at an angle and, and kicks a guy in the chest with both feet. Yeah, I, I remember that. That was cool. Yeah, I thought she. I mean, she seemed like a strong character for, um, for what she was and stuff. But yeah, I don't know. Wasn't definitely was my favorite character in the movie. But she's the most straight of the characters own. in terms of like funny versus not right. funny. Although she does have two pretty funny jokes, or actually three. I can't remember one of them, but the. We're just like Kevin Bacon. Oh, yeah. And the, who put the sticks up their butts? That is cruel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For a second, I was like, is she the literal one, or is it the other one? But That's just an Earth expression. Um, but yeah, those are funny. So who else was in the movie? We had uh, Yondu, played by Michael Rooker, um, from Walking Dead, as, from, as well as many other things. Um, I love his arrow. I think yes. it's awesome. Um, he's very unlike his comic book character, like... Very different. So here's some comic book history for you. Okay. The Guardians of the Galaxy first premiered in 69 or 75, somewhere around there, in like 
Marvel Showcase Presents number 23 or something like that. It was just kind of a book that had all different stories from all different things. Gotcha. Kind of an anthology series, if you will. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the adventures of a specific person. But the Guardians of the Galaxy were a team from the galaxy in the 31st century. And they were a team in the future, so Earth had been enslaved by this alien race called the Badoon, and these were a group of aliens that would... I don't, well, there was one human, at least. Major victory. <laughs> who would come and... They were trying to save the Earth in the future. So that was the Guardians of the Galaxy. For 25 years, <laughs> more or less. Until 2008 when Marvel introduced this new book. Well, they first had this event called Annihilation and then Annihilation Conquest, where they the Marvel cosmic end hadn't had a lot going on for a few years, and that's things like you saw in this movie. You know, right. Cosmic, you know, <clears throat> it makes sense um, why it's called that. Right. <laughs> but there hadn't really been any books about that kind of stuff for a few years, and when there had, there hadn't, they hadn't sold very well, which is why there weren't any books for a while. Gotcha. But they put this event out called Annihilation, where it was this huge event in space, and they reintroduced a lot of old characters that hadn't been seen for years. People loved it. It got bigger and bigger. Then they had Annihilation Conquest, where after this huge war, you had another villain come in and start to, you know, when they're already weakened, or the heroes mm-hmm. are already weakened. And in that event, at the very end of the event, more or less, some of the characters that they'd been reintroducing formed a team that I don't think had a name by the end of Annihilation Conquest, or maybe just at the end. But then they launched Guardians of the Galaxy number one. Well, volume two, number one. Because there had been a Guardians of the Galaxy series about the 31st century team in the 90s, I believe, like 95. Right. And that was Star-Lord, Gamora, Drax, Groot, Rocket, and a bunch of other people. And more as the series went along. Ran for 25 issues. A lot of really cool characters. A lot of fun ones that we hope to see in in the second movie. I think a couple they've confirmed will be in the second movie. And one who was in this movie, uh, Cosmo. Cosmo is a Russian dog who was a cosmonaut. Just like in, in real life, I, th- right. I believe Lyco was the name Lyca, of yeah. one of them. There might have been multiples. There were some monkeys and stuff. Mm-hmm. We did some and then they did some. But Cosmo was a Russian space dog who, you know, we just sent these animals up. They weren't coming back. Right. Well, Cosmo got picked up by some alien somewhere and ended up on nowhere hmm. where he eventually gained, I don't think he had them. I think he was given them by some alien race, but basically telepathic abilities. So, Cosmo in the comics is actually the head of security on Nowhere. And he just thinks to you, and you can hear his voice, which has a very thick Russian accent. <laughs> he, he can't stand Rocket, just like in this movie, they both growl at each other. <laughs> and so, just seeing him was awesome. Hopefully he'll be back for the second right. one. But Cosmo is very, very fun. Um, <laughs> he's just, he's you know, good with strategy and, and all that kind of stuff. How can you tell that he's a very thick Russian accent from a comic book? The, well, the way they write it. Uh. They'll, they'll write it with lots of Ks, and I can't do a Russian accent, but, <laughs> you know, they'll put words like comrade and gotcha. um, tink instead of think and, and things like that. Uh. You know, just, and they'll do that for characters, you know, they'll use southern accents sometimes. They can put accents right, in. Right, right, right. Um, but they'll do it with Black Widow a lot in the comics, because she has, generally she has more of a Russian accent right, that's true. in there than she does in the movies. Hmm. But I started that whole thing about the history of the Guardians, and there was a bunch of other cool characters there as well, but mm-hmm. because the original team, the 31st century team, mm-hmm. included a character named Yandu Udanta, 
who was a big blue alien, who had a he had a much bigger red fin than Yondu did in the movie. It was like um, I'm gesturing with my hand, but it was like you know a foot and a half tall, kind of like almost like a dinosaur with a fin on its back, right. but on his head. He wore a loincloth and he had a bow and arrow. But after he fired the arrow, he could you know direct it around corners or stuff by whistling. Ah, uh, okay. So this is, uh, the way I like to think of it, as this Yondu is like an inch, uh, an early ancestor of that Yondu, who's from Alpha Centauri, um, and, and all that kind of stuff, but, because Yondu in the comics is nothing like this Yondu. That said, I loved this Yondu. Yeah. His arrow was awesome, Michael Rooker was great, um, just a funny character, very different, seeing a redneck in space, like a redneck cannibal guy was weird, weird. and different, but a lot of fun. Yeah. So, so that's Yondu. Um, so he's part of the original team. And in the 2008 run, they eventually made it where uh, Major Victory, who's one of the future Guardians, he has Captain America's shield. Okay. Because he's in the future. So he has, like, it's been passed down to him. Right. I forget exactly how, but he shows up in modern day. And they're like, uh, who are you? Why do you have Captain America's shield? Because last time I checked, Captain America's fine and running around with his shield. This is weird. And I think he had some memory problems, but eventually they had to go to the future and help the future team. The future was in flux because of all the wars that had been happening. Mm -hmm. And um, Major Victory is cool because he kind of, his story kind of follows that of Captain America's in that he was an astronaut from the modern day who got frozen in space and thawed out a thousand years later. Sort of like how Captain America was thawed out like 50 years later. But he's actually... The teenage version of him is a hero in the Marvel Universe right now. And we know that at some point in the future, he will... Not in the movies. He's not in any of the movies. But he will get frozen, and he will end up in the future. Which is kind of cool. But there's a bunch of different cool characters like that that don't really have any relevance to this movie unless they bring him in in the next one. Um, Another character we know they're bringing in for the second one is Adam Warlock. Adam Warlock is part of the modern team. Okay. And that that original team, in in that crossover where they, like, went to the future you eventually find out that the original Guardians took their name, Guardians of the Galaxy, from the modern-day team. Like, the future team, even though they came Uh, first in the real world, they took their name because they were so inspired by the modern team, which was kind of cool. Adam Warlock's part of the modern team. He is... How do you explain him? He's an alien, super, super powerful. Kind of like Doctor Who in that when he dies he will be reborn. Right. Or sustains a mortal injury. He'll be reborn. And his personality is always different. When he is reborn, it's in a cocoon. Okay. He, like, forms a cocoon around him, and then he regrows. Hmm. But, sort of like the Doctor has a different personality, Adam Warlock can go from the best good guy to the worst villain. You don't know what you're uh. going to get when he comes back. Now... Thor 3. Did you see Thor? Or Thor 3. Thor 2. Did you see Thor 2? I have not seen all of any of them. Really? Really. Okay, so after the credits in Thor 2, I won't spoil the movie for you. Oh, it's okay. But we see the Collector, who we saw in this movie. Okay. And it's Sif and Volstagg, two of the Asgardians. Oh, the Collector. And they're bringing the Aether, which was the big weapon from that movie, to the Collector. And they say, we, you know, we're giving this to you because we already have an Infinity Stone in... Asgard, which is the Tesseract, the cosmic right. cube from Captain America and the Avengers. Right, right, right. We've got one. You know as well as we do. You don't want to keep two of them together. So we're bringing this one to you for safekeeping, because you've got this giant collection of crazy stuff. And there's tons of Marvel Easter eggs and all those little cages all around his Right. Thing. The Collector's whole thing is he's from you know the Big Bang and the Big Crunch. Mm-hmm. He's from the previous universe uh, that had a Big Crunch and then a 
then the Big Bang happened. He's either from it or he's like from right after it. But so he collects things. He's pretty much immortal. He'll live forever. He collects things from this universe to keep safe, to hopefully survive the big crunch. So when uh. the next Big Bang happens and the universe is reborn, he'll be able to repopulate the world with like little bits of everything. Huh. So like he was first introduced when he like kidnapped a bunch of the Avengers because he wanted to keep them safe right. for the next universe. They didn't like that very much. <laughs> really? I can't imagine why. <laughs> um, but in Thor 2, in that Credit scene when you meet him, it's just kind of this weird scene. He actually plays it kind of more weird and over the top in that movie than he does in this one. Right. Um, Benicio Del Toro, that actor. Mm-hmm. When, I think it was good they toned it down a little bit for the movie. He was still weird, but not like right. weird, weird. There's this cocoon in one of the cages. <laughs> and people went, cocoon, huh? In the Marvel Universe, well, they don't have the rights to Godzilla anymore, so it's probably not Mothra. Also, it'd be way too small. But... That could be, and people were pulling images of Adam Warlock's cocoon from the comics from over the years. Like, that looks like a movie version of this cocoon. Mm. Okay. So this movie happens, and there's obviously the big explosion. Very cool purple scene that's now my wallpaper on my phone (laughs) with Rocket and Groot flying through the purple explosion. You also see the cocoon in the the background. Mm -hmm. But, now... You, I explained to you who Howard the Duck was after the theater. Right. You know, and why that was mostly a joke. But there was a very important thing hidden in that scene. And that is that the cocoon is still there, but it's burst open and now empty. <laughs> so, not only is Cosmo free, but assuming we're correct, and, and the director said, if I remember correctly, that Adam Warlock will be in the next movie. Okay. It means he's he's free. The question is... Is he good or bad? Is he good? Is he bad? Is he Peter Quill's father? Which is what some people are ah. guessing. I don't know that I necessarily buy that. I think it'd be more interesting if it's a different character um, <clears throat> that people have also speculated about. There's there's several different ones people speculate about, but that's that was pretty cool. You know, it's just a little thing where, unless you know exactly what's going on... Right. Um, also, another thing people think they see in the collector's room... I mean... There's a Chitauri, one of the aliens from the Avengers, in yeah. one of his cages. There's a Dark Elf from Thor 2 in one of his cages. In the background, you can see a hulking figure, not the Hulk, but a hulking figure, who's kind of orange in skin tone, is wearing a red cape, and has a strange face. Now, I've seen it in the movie. I caught it the second time. I didn't see it the first or the third, uh, because there's so many places to look, and it's like, right. if you miss the exact right moment... People think it could be Beta Ray Bill. Have I ever told you Beta Ray Bill? No. Okay, so Beta Ray Bill. Um, on Mjolnir, Thor's hammer, it says, Whosoever shall pick up this... Whosoever can lift this hammer, if they be worthy, shall have the powers of Thor. Right. Thor is not the only person to be able to use that hammer throughout comics history. Um, in the beginning, he was a guy on Earth named Donald Blake, who would had like a walking stick, and if he tapped it on the ground, he would transform into Thor. They did away with that about ten years ago, because it was confusing and weird. Okay. So now Thor is his own dude. Like, before it was just like, you became Thor. Hmm. But throughout history, there have been, there was Frog Thor for a while, which was a frog who picked up the hammer <laughs> and became a frog in Thor armor with the hammer. <laughs> <laughs> there was oh, uh, Eric, uh, not Stevenson, uh... Eric Masterson, who was, who was able to pick up the hammer, and Odin eventually, once Thor 
once Donald Blake got the hammer back, Thor made him his own hammer, and he was a hero called Thunderstrike for a while, who was basically Thor with a ponytail. <laughs> um, there, there's going to be Thor's going to be female in the next couple months. What? Thor, and just today, as we record this, something happened in the comics where uh, a character, Nick Fury, actually whispers something in Thor's ear because they're having a fight, like a big fight, like going to kill you fight. Everybody's oh fighting Nick Fury. It's complicated, but. Oh my. Fury says something like, along the lines of, I want you to remember that it wasn't a punch that brought you down, but a whisper. And he whispers in Thor's ear, and the hammer falls out of his hand, hits the moon, and he can't lift it. <laughs> so Thor is no longer worthy to hit, pick up the hammer, but there's a woman, we don't know who yet, is going to pick up the hammer and will be Thor for a while. Huh. So that'll be interesting. He'll still be around, because now he's his own thing. He just won't have the powers of Thor anymore. Hmm. So, but, the arguably the most famous was an alien most famous to pick up the hammer was an right. alien whose name is Beta Ray Bill. Weird name for an alien, but hey, it was the 70s and there was a lot of jokes going Why on. Why not? So, Beta Ray Bill, I forget if he's a Chimelian or Kalarkian or what his what his race is called, but he looks kind of like a horse. Like an orange horse. Like humanoid, but he's got like a horse face. Some artists draw the nose a little bit longer or shorter. Okay. But he was able to pick up the hammer and it was another one of those situations where Odin was like, well, you have to give the hammer back you know, later on. He's like, you have to give it back to Thor now. But I like you, Beta Ray Bill. Yeah. And he gave him his own hammer. Huh. And Beta Ray Bill still flies around the galaxy. Um, some people call him Thorsey. <laughs> um, or, or Horse Thor. Or, but Beta Ray Bill. Beta Ray Bill is awesome. It's possible that it was him in the cage. That'd be interesting. Uh, Beta, uh, Beta Ray Bill is really fun. He had a team up with Nova recently. Um, there's a specific character in Marvel who's called Nova, who has part of the Nova Corps, but he's a human. And uh, that team-up was really fun. <laughs> um, it, it was really funny. So, yeah, we talked about the main characters, we talked about the villains, we talked about Yondu, uh, we had Glenn Close as Nova Prime, um, yes. great actress, I don't know why she was in this movie, because she had, like, two scenes. Yeah. She was fine in them. I, hopefully they do more with her next movie. Yes. But she had cool hair. <laughs> I actually, I did note that. I was like, that's interesting. Um, you know what I thought was interesting is, I, I just kind of expected from the previews that I saw that it would be more of a, I mean, me going into it not knowing anything about um, Guardians of the Galaxy, it'd be more of a, we're teaming up purposely to save the galaxy type of thing, and that would be, you know, throughout the movie. Whereas it ended up being kind of a, we ended up together, and then at the very, very end, this they get work. called the Guardians of the Galaxy, which was not what I was expecting. Um, but it was still interesting. And that's more or less how it was in the comics, too. Really? There are a bunch of criminals and assassins and bounty hunters and other just misfits who, <clears throat> in the comics, most of the time, people don't even listen to them. They're like, yeah, yeah, let the Avengers handle this. They're like, uh, okay. we need to stop this thing, you know, and, and no yeah. one takes them seriously. Um, there's actually a very funny running joke in the first issue of Volume 2, where it's like, the, the name Guardians of the Galaxy has been floated and everyone hates it, so they're trying to come up with any name that's better. <laughs> uh, Rocket's suggestion is Rocket and the Butt Kickers the Fantastic. <laughs> um, and there's, if there's yes. some other ones. But they eventually just settle on, nothing's better. I mean, they're, they're all terrible. Let's just go with Guardians, because we've already been using that for a couple days, at least. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're they're barely good guys. I mean, they do their best. Right. But, you know, like Pete, like Pete says in the movie, 
you know, the reason I want to save the galaxy is because I'm one of the idiots who lives right. in it. You know, I just don't want to die. You know, it's, as he says at a later point, and I don't have to believe this, but, and it's, it's a simple line, but a line I thought was very profound, which was, you know, life is giving us a chance. A chance to what? To give a shit for once. Right. I was like, that, it's a baseline, but that is oddly profound. And it, works it really was. really, really well, you know, for this group of people. Yeah. Yeah, I was definitely, I mean, that was the movie's moment of profound, um, <laughs> and it's, profoundness. Again, I mean, it's not that profound, but in that context, it kind of was. Yeah. Um, yeah, I you, you mentioned earlier how hilarious you thought the movie was, and that's really, I mean, it's the first, like, yeah. full-blown comedy Marvel. I mean, there's plenty of action in it, but it's much funnier than yeah. even Iron Man or something, which is funny yeah. in parts, you know. Definitely, as funny as definitely. But it also had a couple tear-jerky moments. Yeah. Uh, Pete's mom dying in the beginning. Definitely. It's the first, like, five minutes of the movie. I'm like, I'm really going to cry already? Come yeah, on. they're doing the up model, <laughs> you know. And then what really surprised me and I tried to look over and see your, your reaction, but the theater was dark. It was hard to tell. Well, we already talked about, you know, Groot yeah. sacrificing himself, and that's, you know, you know, Rocket pleading with him and then Rocket crying later. That's yeah. touching as well. Um, Gamora in space, you know, like yes. freezing. But then the one that really got me, and it goes from awesome action moment, you know, cool moment to tearjerker at the flip of the switch, is when Pete grabs the Infinity Stone... And he's flaking off, and his mom appears. You know, Gamora says, yes. take my hand, and you see his mom, and it goes, it's just like waterworks. Like, at the flip well, of a switch. I was not necessarily confused at that point, but I was curious to know, I didn't know at that point, was his mom, was him envisioning his mom, his mom reaching out from heaven or whatever, saying, you know, come with me, and then Gamora reaching out on the other end saying, take my hand, and it was kind of the battle between life and death. No, I, I didn't know if that's where it was going, that. I think so was I was confused. He heard the phrase, take my hand, and that's always been so important because he didn't take his mother's hand when right. she died. Right, That this now his new family, he got that chance, and, and he just kind of saw his mom there for right. a second. And more more as a now. visual metaphor than anything else. Uh, yeah. But it's just like, oh, the feels. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. I think I would have felt it more had I not... Because I was just like, is that the direction they're going, or are they, I don't, you know, and then I figured out. And then all of them just standing side by side, vaporizing Ronan, which is yeah. kind of a shame they kill him, because he's a cool character. Mm. But um, another villain we didn't really talk about, we, we talked about a little bit in, after the movie uh, in the car ride home, but Thanos, the yes. Mad Titan, who's from Saturn, it's Saturn's moon. Okay. Um, Titan is where he's from. I couldn't remember which planet it was off the top of my head before, but now I remember. Um, so... Thanos, obviously, at the end of Avengers, here's the first time we see we hear him speak, voiced by Josh Brolin. Um, also got a really cool grin, but a very <laughs> evil one. After, you know, I will bathe the starways in your blood. Yeah. But, so he's from Saturn. He is what's called an Eternal, which are certain beings. I think there's some humans that have this as well, but it's basically, it's a gene that basically means he'll live more or less forever. So he, one of the most powerful so, beings in the galaxy. What's the difference between that and Immortal? It's more like it's... I forget who the Eternals were, and I don't really know a lot about them, but I think it was like they were just like an ancient group of people that like inter, intermarried into other species, and so their genes, like some people have that like recessive uh, gene uh, okay. that allows them to be... It's very like very few people. But this is important to bring this up because 
Thanos, obviously evil, bad guy, but, you know, everybody's got a family that they come from. Right. Thanos' father, don't remember his name off the top of my head, but his brother, I'm also going to forget his real name <laughs> off the top of my head. What is it? Oh, I, I wish, I'll, I'll, I'll try to bring it up when I talk to Pierce um, in the next episode, but his code name, if you will, his superhero name is Star Fox. Um, it's oh, original. Much older than the than the video game. Like it came first. But <laughs> Star Fox, good guy for the most part. A uh, bit full of himself, but he's not like Thanos. Pretty much everyone in Thanos' family wants to kill Thanos. Oh, okay. um, they don't like that their that their son slash brother is or grandson. I think his grandfather is also in on hating Thanos, is a mass-murdering <laughs> psychopath who just wants to kill everything in the galaxy. Yeah, you know, definitely not not a great thing. His brother, Star Fox, is... And granted, I don't know a lot about the character, and I, I can't remember I can't remember his real name, but very similar from what I've read on Reddit and things like that to how Pete's mom describes Pete's dad. Oh. Angel being made of pure light, um... Someone who Yandu wouldn't really like, you know, because he's full of himself, and he, you mm-hmm. know, Yandu expressed that he didn't like him, and is the type of character that would kind of fit perfectly. Plus, it would mean that Peter Quill in the movie universe is also an Eternal, and that would explain why, why he was able to survive. Oh, okay. So that's the theory I think would be the most interesting, if eventually it's revealed Thanos is his uncle, mm. you know, because that adds some very interesting... Um, which also makes him and Gamora like a Luke and Leia thing, kind of, uh, like three times removed. Hmm. Except she's adopted. But That's true. <laughs> it's, it's a, it is, I'm just thinking about this now. That is kind of weird, but not that not weird. Certainly less weird than in Star Wars, with full-blown <laughs> making out. But, uh, <laughs> or Game of Thrones or something. Um, Thanos. What do you know about Thanos? Anything? Not really, no. So Thanos, obviously, big bad guy, probably will be the main villain of Avengers 2. Or, I'm sorry, Avengers 3. Avengers 2 is Ultron. But in the comics, and we assume that this is mostly true in the movies, based on a few lines, Thanos is literally in love with death. Mm. Now when I say that, think Grim Reaper, just with boobs. In the Marvel Universe, death and many other, like, hope and other things have physical forms. Like, if you go out far enough into the galaxy, somewhere on some planet, there's some being that's literally the embodiment of... Right. Hope, death, you know, procrastination, whatever. Um, there's a living planet named Ego, who's the personification of Ego, and he has a movie named Id. So, you know, that take you back to some English 101 or some philosophy 101 <laughs> there. But uh, Thanos is literally in love with death, who is basically Grim Reaper, but female okay. in the Marvel Universe. Oh. Just black robe, skull face. I, I don't remember if she has a scythe. Sometimes, maybe. But that's what we're picturing. Oh. He... Loves death, and in the comics, once he finally got all six gems, mm-hmm. of the or the in the comics are called the Infinity Gems. Here, are the Infinity Stones. Same it's not difference. really that important. Gems are just polished stones. So, right. <laughs> uh, which I feel like people who are, keep arguing about this don't understand that fact. It's almost literally the same thing. <laughs> it's like ranch and buttermilk ranch. One's just a little bit more specific than the other. <laughs> but Thanos in the comics, once he got all six gems. Right. He fashioned them together into the Infinity Gauntlet, which okay. is a big golden glove, which you can see in the background in Thor 1 in Odin's Treasure Room, for like two frames. I think I did see that part of the movie. And when he had this, he basically has control over everything in the universe. Because the gems control, like in this movie it was the Power Stone, the Tesseract is the Space Stone, 
the ether is the reality stone, but it's space, um, reality, power, mind, soul, and time, or the six gems. Okay. Once you have all of them, you can pretty much control every aspect of existence. That's pretty cool. So what did he do? He killed half the galaxy with a snap of his fingers, Hmm. just to make death happy. So... In the in Avengers, at the end, uh, the guy who gets his neck snapped in this movie, like, uh, Ronan just puts out a wave from the hammer and spins him around. The, end, the line he says right before Thanos is revealed is, uh, Earth is protected, it has heroes. To face them would be to court death. And <laughs> Thanos turns and grins at the camera. <laughs> which means one thing if you know nothing about Thanos, and means something very different if you do. Right. Which is he literally wants to court death. Maybe not old-fashioned, well, old-timey. You're going to love death. I mean, you might as <laughs> You know. So, that's Thanos. He's a big deal. Which is why I actually like, even though you don't see a lot of Ronan in the movie, when he turns on Thanos and is like, yeah, I got the gem now, so once I'm done killing Zand- the, the planet Xandar, I'm coming for you. Yeah. That's a big deal. That's like Darth Vader turning on the Emperor in, you know, Star in the first yeah. Star Wars, you know. You know, a new hope. You know, <laughs> instead of at the very end. You know, it's it's kind of a, kind of a cool thing. Yeah. Other minor characters we had John C. Riley as Roman Day, uh, Denarian Day by the end, because that's a rank. But in the Nova Corps, he's the guy who you've seen him in like Talladega Nights and Anchorman. Or no, I don't think he is an Anchorman actually. I feel but like a I bunch have of Will Ferrell him, movies, but... Walk Hard, um, the Dewey Cox story, which is a very funny movie. And then you have the other main Nova Corps whose name is Daenerys, well, his rank is Daenerys, his name is Saul, S-A-A-L. Um, who, mm-hmm. These are both characters from the comics, they're kind of important, even though he apparently dies in this one. But do you know who that guy is? No. The, the, the guy who says, what a bunch of a-holes. And it's just kind of like, I can't believe I'm taking orders from a gerbil or oh, hamster or whatever yes, it was. yes, yes. Do you know who that guy is? <laughs> no, I don't think so. You forget to realize that I know nothing about actors or He's the voice of Darth Maul. What? In in Star Wars The Phantom Menace, Darth Maul is played by Ray Parks. It's the body. Right. But the voice is that guy, a Peter Serafinowicz. What? Yeah. Who only has, like, two lines, I think. At last we will ha- have our revenge. At last we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. That's really random. He's also in Shaun of the Dead. He's their third roommate who gets turned into a zombie pretty oh, early on. Oh, yeah. Um, that's a funny movie. Oh, yeah. It's very good. But that's Peter Serafinowicz, which is a fun name to say. <laughs> and other than that, there's some the the main Ravenger, other than Yondu, the mm-hmm. uh, the kind of human looking guy. Although none of those none of the aliens are humans, even though some of them look like it. They're right. just aliens that happen to look like humans, like the Asgardians do. Right. The guy who's like the main other one, who's human looking, kind of like maybe thirty years old and has a faux hawk. Mm, yeah. That's the director's brother. Sean Gunn, who's an actor, I think he was on, I think Pierce said he was on Gilmore Girls. I don't know if you ever watched that one. No. Um, it's the type of thing you would be more likely to watch than me, so I figured I'd bring it up. Most likely. That's more of a Becca thing, though. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> she would probably know. Um, was there anything you didn't like about the movie? Um, I think we talked about this briefly in the car, but I honestly don't remember. I'm trying to think if there's anything I didn't particularly like. I thought it was a really well put together movie. I mean, I lean. Especially in action movies, I lean t- more towards the the comedy part of it, um, which it did not let you down on that at all. Um, and third time seeing it, jokes still hold up really well. Yeah, I really like that. And and for the most part, I don't remember there being any times where I was like, "All right, when is this going to be done?" or anything. I mean, it was fast paced, and it, it 
there were no really lulls in any of the storyline that I was just like, all right, when and, when is it going to get to the actual? And they get movie? the team together like really fast, like probably yeah. within fifteen or twenty minutes, you've met everybody. Maybe I'd say maybe fifteen minutes, you've met everybody but Drax, and he's introduced like three minutes later. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's it's just under two hours. The movie it wasn't no, it wasn't bad at all. I I'm trying to think. I can't really say anything bad about it. I don't think we said anything here, but you love the soundtrack. Like, yes. As do I. Yes. I I really like that. I enjoyed that so much. I think that uh, definitely added to the movie a lot. And I will be stealing that from you very soon. <laughs> um, but no. It iTunes was... home sharing. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was, I really enjoyed the music. And I think they did a really good job of adding it in just the right spots and not overkill. And this time I really focused on the score as well because I hadn't really paid that close attention to it, because I was listening for more for the pop hits. But the score is very good. Yeah. Um, I think it's Tyler Bates. I'm going to have to buy that one as well. They even, like, work in the Avengers slash Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. theme. Really? In a few places. Yeah. And when I say theme, I mean, like, the musical, like, four-bar melody or whatever. You can hear it in the background of a few of them, I think. I'll have to double-check and play it next to each other. But there was, like, two or three times in the movie, once in the prison, when they're... um, once they finally got to the guard tower and they're blasting off, mm-hmm. I could hear it in the background and really? then in the end credits for sure. Those are the two I can pinpoint. Huh. But where I was like, oh, that four-bar phrase, that's that's a musical theme from Avengers and Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. Huh. Um, which I know pretty well because it's uh, it was the theme song for our Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast on the network, uh, which is now the true. It's All Connected, a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast where we talk about all of it. But So I heard that a lot because it was in the opening credits to that. So I was like, oh, yeah. That's that's definitely that theme. So that was neat. Um, visually, very cool. I love the use of color. Yeah. Such a colorful movie. Like I said, my, my current uh, phone wallpaper is Rocket and Groot jumping away from the first explosion of the Infinity Stone. And it's just this big purple image. Like, the purple, the aliens, you got the bright blues and bright pinks and bright yellows. I, I feel like it was an adult version of Curious George. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I always hear in... Uh, and me, because I don't know, I watch these things, um, just, just the visual simulation of colors and stuff for kids, you know, just Curious George, their focus was color in everything. And Man in the yellow hat. Yeah, the, you know, him pushing red buttons and the everything, everything of interest was always a bright color, and I felt like that kind of played through this as well. Everything, you know, the Infinity Stone or whatatever, the... Yeah, the, sun, the, the Infinity Stones yeah. movies, yeah. Um, got purple, everything, got red everything that was important was colorful and brought your attention to that. And I thought that was good at keeping your attention to what was most important for someone who didn't really know much and about the And the, the different line. areas, because it's weird. I didn't think it was that complicated a plot, but I've heard some people say, oh, it's such a complicated plot. Mm. But there are, you know, if you're not familiar with the universe, there are like several planets and different factions to keep track of. But Xandar, the home planet of the Nova Corps, is very... Earth-like and clean yeah. and, um, you know, more pastel, yellow, mm-hmm. blues and greens and silvers. And then all the Ravager stuff was very red. The kiln was um, red and yellow and kind of like a brownish-black. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a better name. Almost like a really dark burgundy or something like that. And, 
you know, nowhere was all the neon colors. Yeah. And really I love, oh, I, I don't, didn't want to forget this because this is now the <laughs> third time I've seen the movie and every time I've seen it, I went, that one thing was really cool and then I forget about it as soon as the movie's done. <laughs> but I don't think I've ever seen in a movie where one spaceship flies into another spaceship and then flies that bigger spaceship. You know, uh, you know where he, he's in the mining vessel and he, ju- he jumps into the Sakaran ship? Yes. I don't think I've ever seen that before. And that was kind of yeah. neat. Yeah, I guess you're right. This, that was really cool. Also, I love the, the Nova blockade. Yes. That and was that, really neat. that, the ship, the... The Dark Aster. That was And you, I even heard you say in the, in, the, in the theater, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Like, that's all, which, as how soon the, as the it turning, turning. Yeah, I was like, whoa, that's awesome. Whoever designed that deserves something special because that's <laughs> yeah, really cool to, yeah, at least a cookie like a nice like a starbucks cookie yeah, yeah yeah they're expensive <laughs> <laughs> that, that was really cool design um another character sort of we didn't really talk about was korath the pursuer played by mm-hmm. jaman hansu who's the who guy in the beginning <laughs> he thinking back now he doesn't really have a lot to do in the movie Mm-mm. you wouldn't even know he's the same race as um ronin they're both kree yeah. Um, he's just a much darker blue, I guess. <laughs> but, you know, it, it is... There's only three Kree in the entire movie. There's those two guys and um, the one you see on this, like the president of the Kree planet, which name I can't even remember off the top of my head. Yeah, I don't know. The Kree homeworld. But, uh, yeah, all the, the color stuff was really cool. Uh, like how they, you know, they transitioned from the red uniforms of the Ravagers to by the end they're in blue costumes, which is much more similar to their comic book... The, the 2008 runs, costumes they wore, which were very, almost World War II military, hmm. but space version. Like, it was blue with, like, red piping and gold okay. buttons. I'll have to show you a picture. It's actually really well-designed uniforms. And that's where Star-Lord first got his mask. He'd never had a mask like that in the comics. Uh... In, the, in the comics, he's got almost identical mask, and then he's got almost a German World War II helmet. Like, you okay. might see a biker wearing sometimes, right. or it's kind of like that, like a Colonel Clink yeah, 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 type, yeah, or not Colonel Clink, but the other guy from, from Hogan's Heroes, one of those on top of it. It really looks neat. Hmm. Yeah, so I think we've probably run out of things to say, and I, 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 I don't want to talk too much about it just because I'll be talking with Pierce again, right, but right. for anyone who hasn't seen it, would you recommend Guardians of the Galaxy? Absolutely. I was very pleasantly surprised, and I, I, we were saying this earlier that I don't really like the idea of going to see movies multiple times at the theaters because one I don't feel like spending the money on it and two I just think it's boring but I I might actually go and see that again that was good I might see it a fourth five <laughs> just as soon as the movie was done, I was like I really want to see it again now it just <laughs> you know I, I figured I was going to at least like the movie because I'm such a big Guardians fan yeah you know even if it wasn't the greatest thing I'd at least be like hey at least it's the Guardians and I'd never thought in a million years you'd get a Guardians of the Galaxy movie but that it's also great yeah, really blows me away. Like I said, I have minor quibbles with it, you know, a couple performances here and there. But in general, that's a fun, well-put-together movie yeah. that is what happened that time Star Wars and the Avengers dropped acid and had a baby. <laughs> and that's the way I've been describing it to people, and I think it holds true perfectly, perfectly yeah. well. You know, yeah. it's, it's also a lot of fun. Our sister Grace also saw it. She really liked it. Yes. She also didn't think she was going to. <laughs> um Grace was on, of course, the uh, Game of Thrones slash Orange is the New Black episode, and then our other sister, Rebecca, who just got married and moved to Boston today. Tear, tear. Um, yes, definitely some tears there. <laughs> uh, she has not seen it yet, so we don't know. Um, her now husband, Matthew, did see it with me, actually, the first time. Um, didn't love it, but I did have a chance to finally talk to him last night about that and be like, 
so what didn't you like? And, and he said he actually, he wants to see it again because he thinks he might have just been in the wrong headspace. Yeah. Um, and maybe he won't like it. You know, it's like I told him, I was like, well, that's, that's fine. You know, not everything for everybody. But, yeah, uh, yeah. I just, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm hooked on a feeling, Courtney. <laughs> so uh, I think that's it for this week's episode. Uh, until next time, I'm Jordan from Jersey. I'm Courtney from Jersey as well. Yeah, that doesn't really have a good alliteration. <laughs> I tried, okay. <laughs> but uh, have a good week, everybody. Thanks for listening to Jersey Shore. You can contact us at jordan at legionofdudes.com. That's J-O-R-D-A-N. Or you can leave us a voicemail, 972 798 3830 and just let us know that you're leaving it for Jersey Shore. You can follow me on Twitter at JordanFRMJersey and iTunes ratings and reviews are always appreciated. And if you enjoy the show, don't forget to check out HHWLOD.com for lots of great content just like it. Mm-hmm.